This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Brown. The Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. Part 2, Section 19. The most beautiful parts of the creation to our eye are the winged insects, and they are not so originally. They acquire that form and that inimitable brilliance by progressive changes. The slow and creeping caterpillar worm of today passes in a few days to a torpid figure and a state resembling death, and in the next change comes forth in all the miniature magnificence of life a splendid butterfly. No resemblance of the former creature remains. Everything is changed. All his powers are new and life is to him another thing. We cannot conceive that the consciousness of existence is not the same in this state of the animal as before. Why then must I believe that the resurrection of the same body is necessary to continue to me the consciousness of existence hereafter? In the former part of the Age of Reason, I have called the creation the only true and real word of God. In this instance, or this text, in the book of creation, not only shows to us that this thing may be so, but that it is so, and that the belief of a future state is a rational belief, founded upon facts visible in the creation. For it is not more difficult to believe that we shall exist hereafter in a better state and form than at present, than that a worm should become a butterfly and quit the dunghill for the atmosphere, if we did not know it is a fact. As to the doubtful jargon ascribed to Paul in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, which makes part of the burial service of some Christian sectaries, it is as destitute of meaning as the tolling of a bell at a funeral. It explains nothing to the understanding, it illustrates nothing to the imagination, but leaves the reader to find any meaning if he can. All flesh, says he, is not the same flesh. There is one flesh of men, another of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. And what then? Nothing. A cook could have said as much. There are also, says he, bodies celestial and bodies terrestrial. The glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. And what then? Nothing. And what is the difference? Nothing that he is told. There is, says he, one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. And what then? Nothing, except that he says that one star differeth from another star in glory, instead of distance, and he might as well have told us that the moon did not shine so bright as the sun. All this is nothing better than the jargon of a conjurer, who picks up phrases he does not understand, to confound the credulous people who have come to have their fortunes told. Priests and conjurers are of the same trade. Sometimes Paul affects to be a naturalist and to prove his system of resurrection from the principles of vegetation. Thou fool, says he, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. To which one might reply in his own language and say, Thou fool, Paul, 
That which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die not. For the grain that dies in the ground never does, nor can vegetate. It is only the living grains that produce the next crop. But the metaphor, in any point of view, is no simile. It is succession, and not resurrection. The progress of an animal from one state of being to another, as from a worm to a butterfly, applies to the case. But this of a grain does not, and shows Paul to have been what he says of others, a fool. Whether the fourteen epistles ascribed to Paul were written by him or not, as a matter of indifference, they are either argumentative or dogmatical. And as the argument is defective and the dogmatical part is merely presumptive, it signifies not who wrote them. And the same may be said for the remaining parts of the Testament. It is not upon the epistles, but upon what is called the Gospel, contained in the four books ascribed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and upon the pretended prophecies that the theory of the Church calling itself the Christian Church is founded. The epistles are dependent upon those, and must follow their fate. For if the story of Jesus Christ be fabulous, all reasoning founded upon it as a supposed truth must fall with it. We know from history that one of the principal leaders of this church, Athanasius, lived at the time the New Testament was formed. Footnote. Athanasius died, according to the church chronology, in the year 371. End of footnote. And we know also, from the absurd jargon he left us under the name of a creed, the character of the men who formed the New Testament. And we know also from the same history that the authenticity of the books of which it is composed was denied at the time. It was upon the vote of such as Athanasius that the Testament was decreed to be the Word of God, and nothing can present to us a more strange idea than that of decreeing the Word of God by vote. Those who rest their faith upon such authority put man in the place of God, and have no foundation for future happiness. Credulity, however, is not a crime, but it becomes criminal by resisting conviction. It is strangling in the womb of the conscience the efforts it makes to ascertain truth. We should never force belief upon ourselves in anything. I here close the subject of the Old Testament and the New. The evidence I have produced to prove them forgeries is extracted from the books themselves and acts like a two-edged sword either way. If the evidence be denied, the authenticity of the scriptures is denied with it, for it is scripture evidence. And if the evidence be admitted, the authenticity of the books is disproved. The contradictory impossibilities contained in the Old Testament and the New put them in the case of a man who swears for and against. Either the evidence convicts him of perjury and equally destroys reputation. Should the Bible and the New Testament hereafter fall, it is not that I have been the occasion. I have done no more than extracted the evidence from the confused mass of matter with which it is mixed and arranged that evidence in a point of light to be clearly seen and easily comprehended. And, having done this, I leave the reader to judge for himself, as I have judged for myself.
End of section 19.